welcome to the week seven waiver wire preview show here at 444 football as always i'm your host john daigle for the very special week seven waivers episode thin at running backs this week yes but the cover image as you're seeing if you are joining us live at halftime on monday night football as always every monday night the cover boy himself wandell robinson many tight ends to get to as well which is good because there are lots of tight ends on by so let's go ahead and get right into it because the sleeper Pick of the week brought to you, of course, by our friends at Sleeper, one of the fastest growing customizable fantasy football platforms in the industry is none other than Wandell Robinson himself, who, yes, only mustered 15 snaps in his first game since week one, 23% of the Giants offensive snaps to be exact, but four targets for a 14.8% target share and also recorded New York's first touchdown by a wide receiver since their season opener. Only Sterling Shepard had done that in week one. Wondell Robinson finally put the wide receivers back on the board for the Giants this past week. And what we expect is for that usage to only continue. So much so that in knowing Wondell opened week one as a starter in two wide sets, my guess is when Kandarius Tony is healthy and ready to return, I'm betting Wondell Robinson still plays over Kadarius Tony. And so I am still wank- ranking Wondell over Tony rest of season. We also know Brian Dable will stick to his guns and his guys, no matter the money they make, no matter how they're performing, you have to do what Dable says. Thus, I think he's going to stick to the player he drafted in two wide sets. That's the player we want moving forward. Now, I understand that Wandale was probably already picked up in a majority of leagues to be smart and get ahead of what could have happened, the results we saw. And so... The sleeper of the week, because I believe Tyquan Thornton is and should be out there. And what we saw is by default, with Kendrick Bourne getting injured early in the first quarter, the only other receiver the Patriots had on active on Sunday was Tyquan Thornton, the number 50 overall pick recall. Matthew Slater was available. He's their ace special teams player who was never going to play offense anyhow. And Thornton was thrown right into the fire for a route on 72% of dropbacks. But more importantly, we saw a second rushing touchdown in his many games for Thornton. And also now we've seen him run not only those routes, 73% on Bailey Zappi's dropbacks, but those five targets, a 14.7% target share and three carries on Sunday, including that end around which came from inside the 10. Concerted usage, a la Chase Claypool, a la poor man's Debo Samuel. That's what we want for our wide receivers, especially one who, one, offers a 4-2-8-40 time, especially if he's going to be playing an 11 personnel for Kendrick Bourne moving forward since Nelson Aguilar was healthy scratched, and also involved in a better offense than expected as the Patriots through six games are quietly eighth in the NFL in yards per play. So if Tyquan Thornton is out there, I am actually, whether he offers a high floor moving forward or not, I do think eventually he will absolutely work his way into be a dependable starter from 11 personnel, three wide sets. And so even if I can't use him in the next couple weeks, we hope we can with bye weeks. But even if we can't, we've seen enough to now know his ceiling. Two touchdowns in one game. We know he has proof of a ceiling and so i'm definitely keeping him stashed and rostering him at least for the fantasy playoff run remember head to sleeper.com and download the latest app to pick up both wandale and twycon thornton today
you all want to talk about Robbie Anderson. So let's go ahead and get into it because I think there's a lot of volatility in rostering Robbie Anderson, who, sure, we're going to sprinkle on and we're going to try to get logically slides right into Marquise Brown's role. Brown, of course, was in on a route on 81% of routes from the boundary this year. Robbie Anderson has run a route on 90% of boundary, boundary with the Panthers. But at the same time, not only is he moving to a new offense mid-year, we also have DeAndre Hopkins returning. We also, as frustrated as we all are, especially for fantasy purposes, with Cliff Kingsbury, no one can guarantee Robbie Anderson will play over A.J. Green will be in for a majority of three wide sets, especially for only a sixth and seventh round pick, right? And more importantly, this Cardinals offense has been terrible where we are imagining Robbie Anderson to flourish. Kyler Murray is dead last in the league with 7.7 yards per attempt on throws, 10 plus yards downfield, and take it even further where we think Anderson has this ceiling. Kyler Murray this year is six of 30. 33rd overall in the league on completion rate on throws 20 yards downfield. So it's a lot of hills to climb, honestly, to get there to Robbie Anderson to be a wide receiver three even, a weekly flex option for bye weeks. And that's what I'm worried about. So we are sprinkling on Robbie Anderson, sure. But if he does play in four wide sets, that's what it comes down to behind A.J. Green. It genuinely would not be shocking in the least. In fact. I'm actually fighting for Tyquan Thornton over Robbie Anderson, wherever you have that choice. Let's talk about some tight ends now, as promised, because you have Dawson Knox, Tyler Higby, Irv Smith, and Dallas Goddard all on by. So if Robert Tanyan's still out there, I think that's where we start. Because maybe in the past, I don't have confidence. I think Tanyan's usage goes backwards, and it fluctuates as it's done all year. But with Randall Cobb suffering a high ankle sprain, we don't know the timeline just yet, but we're assuming two to four weeks, if not more. If that's the case, I don't expect Tunyon's season-high marks and snaps, 63%, targets, team-high 12, and a 26.6% target share this past week, and more importantly, a season-high in route participation, 74% on Aaron Rodgers' dropbacks. With Cobb out of the way in the interim, I don't expect Tunyon's usage to decrease at all. So that's the first tight end I'm trying to target wherever you have that choice. Next up, if you don't have that choice, it would be Kate Otten due to Cam Brate's unfortunate neck injury suffered on Sunday because we've already seen this. Cam Brate just two weeks ago for, for Kate Otten, just for Cam Brate two weeks ago, thrown seven targets, a 13.4% target share, including a team high two red zone targets and the elite usage we all want, a route on 86% of dropbacks. For as long as Braid is out, for the record, I would start Kate Otten over Robert Tunyon every single week. But since we are not sure when Braid will return, I can't say put more fab on Otten with confidence over Tunyon. Thus, I'm still going to play it safe, hedge my bet, and say Tunyon is the better long-term addition. But honestly, Otten is the player I would start over Tunyon for as long as Brait is sidelined. If those two happen to be gone, Hunter Henry, if he's still out there on your waiver wire, I was shocked to see 
that even with Jonu Smith back in the lineup against the Browns, Hunter Henry stayed out there for 97% of snaps. Remember, two weeks ago, he played 98% of snaps. He ran 33 routes, 83% route participation against the Browns, shockingly, to John New Smith's six, just 15%. And then also now has, in back-to-back weeks from Bailey Zappi, a 22% target share for Hunter Henry. Someone else I'm bidding on with confidence. And then, if all three happen to be gone, I have looked in high-stakes leagues. I know in some, Mike Jasicki's still out there. And should we trust Mike Jasicki? That I don't know. Because remember, in week two, we saw him pop for four catches, 41 yards, and a touchdown on 62% of snaps. Only two followed that up in week three with a season-low 40% of snaps and an egg-in-the-box score. So I don't know if this usage for Sunday will stay true. But that usage is something we want to chase. Not just the two touchdowns. Those are nice. Those were two end zone targets, but more importantly, season highs with a route on 75% of dropbacks, season high six targets for a 12.7% target share, and played a season high 64% of Miami's offensive snaps with both Skylar Thompson and Teddy Bridgewater in the game. Maybe that was to protect the rookie quarterback. Maybe that was to get someone else involved outside of Trent Sherfield. But we will always salivate and chase over Jasicki's athletic profile especially in a week where four premium tight ends are on by. That's something I don't mind going right back to. Something else that I'm scared to talk about, because I don't expect Kenyon Drake to average over 10 yards per carry and run for 100 yards, honestly, maybe ever again this year. But what we do know is that John Harbaugh came out post game and said, J.K. Dobbins, his knee reportedly locked up end game. And we can't assume Gus Edwards, who is clearly the better long-term pickup over Kenyon Drake, is going to be active for this game since Edwards' 21-day window has until after this Sunday. They have until Monday to activate him. They don't have to have him ready for Sunday. And so it honestly would make sense if Gus Edwards sits out this one and then comes back even healthier in week eight. And if that's the case, what we saw was J.K. Dobbins with that in-game injury, getting scaled back for season lows and snaps 27%, routes, and just seven touches, a season low 39% share of this team's backfield touches. Whereas Kenyon Drake, on the other hand, reached his most carries 10 and his most touches 11 since week one. And you may laugh that it's Kenyon Drake. Well, one, remember, we're all grasping for straws for running backs right now, especially with four good offenses taking their running backs on bye weeks. Not only that, it's the best matchup possible. It's the Browns defense, who has allowed at least two rushing touchdowns to opposing running backs in three consecutive games and the third most schedule-adjusted fantasy points allowed per game to opposing running backs. I know that, of course, using 4-for-4's schedule-adjusted fantasy points allowed tool. So Gus Edwards still the play. But with the window beyond week seven, it would not shock me if we were stuck starting Kenyon Drake as an RB3-4 because we're desperate in a great matchup in week seven. And finally, let's go ahead and close with some quick hits here because what we did see was Daniel Bellinger not only lead the Giants in targets, but in a season in which he had yet to run over 61% of routes with the Giants, 
Brian Dable gave him the bump this past week to a route on 82% of dropbacks. Elite threat threshold usage we want from our tight ends. If you are running a route over 80% of dropbacks and you can lead the team in targets from tight end, you are in the mix for a low-end tight end one, if not mid-tight end one, every single week. Daniel Bellinger for the Giants achieved that. So we are going all in in terms of desperate tight ends for Daniel Bellinger. Khalil Shakur only ran nine routes to Isaiah McKenzie's 26 this past game since McKenzie returned from concussion protocol. But we saw McKenzie botch a pitch, an option pitch from Josh Allen in game. And although I don't blame him entirely, did miss time a jump and slipped on a would-be end zone target that would have resulted in a touchdown from Josh Allen too. So with the bye week now for the Bills, given how well Shakur performed, two weeks ago for McKenzie, and that McKenzie still is on just a one-year deal, maybe we have Shakur bump into McKenzie's workload even more starting in week eight. So in deeper leagues, if if Shakur was dropped because McKenzie was active, I actually want to go back to Shakur wherever I have that room on my bench. Also for deeper leagues, Zach Moss healthy scratched, of course, against the Chiefs. James Cook, the only active running back, behind Devin Singletary. We know Devin Singletary's elite usage in every single game where the Bills have been competitive, which have been not many since they've been the best team in the NFL. But what that tells us is wherever we were stashing Zach Moss, we should instead be stashing James Cook as the clear contingency player behind Singletary in case of an injury. On that same note, Tyrion Davis-Price returned this past week, and it was still Tevin Coleman who played 20% of snaps and got four carries. Not enough to provide standalone value, but to be a nuisance. And more importantly, Tyrion Davis-Price only played one snap, and it was at fullback. So that also tells us that for the contingency player behind Jeff Wilson, since we're still waiting out Elijah Mitchell, who we still believe could return, maybe, but probably not, I'm going to say, before the team's week nine bye, then if that's the case, Tevin Coleman is still the contingency player to have over Tyrion Davis-Price. With Adam Troutman suffering an injury on Sunday and the Saints having this short turnaround against the Cardinals on Thursday night, note that we've seen Juwan Johnson's usage with Troutman as a limited player before. Because in those first two weeks, Juwan Johnson ran around on 74% of dropbacks and averaged six targets per game. And that's when Troutman was active but sparsely involved. His usage increased from that point forward. So if Troutman's inactive Thursday, which is what it's looking like, we already know what the usage will be for Jawan Johnson. So don't be scared to chase him in deeper leagues and even start him in a pinch. This one's ugly. I don't even want to say this one because DJ Moore is the wide receiver 65 in fantasy points per game and has not recorded more than 60 receiving yards in any start this year, while the Panthers around him are pacing for literally the fourth fewest plays per game in the last decade in the NFL. But I would not be doing my job if I didn't get Dynasty players excited and note that Terrace Marshall did come in for Robbie Anderson in that game and run as many routes, 15 each, with Shy Smith. Terrace Marshall, who of course could be used in two wide sets perhaps, just for you sicko dynasty players. And then just remember, the Raiders, before they went on by, Darren Waller 
exited with an injury in the first quarter, hamstring. We don't know his availability just yet for this game. So be aware that Foster Moreau is out there and could get the start in place of Darren Waller. Remember, all of this and more can be found at 444.com, the waiver wire column, which will be waiting for you whenever you're done listening to this. We will be back for the Week 7 preview show with myself, John Paulson, and Sam Hoppin. Wednesday, every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern. Until then, be a little bit kinder than what's required. We'll see you then.